Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Maintain the Flame. I am Keith Collins, and I am, as always, blessed to know that you're listening, and I know we have listeners literally around the world, so it's always an honor to come to you every week to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share truths that are are needed, that are pertinent, that are life-changing, and that's really what we're all about. Our, Our heart is that our listeners are being encouraged, they're being challenged in their walk with God, they're being really motivated to go deeper in a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is really what it's all about. And we, we know that this is a sacred honor for us to be able to reach in to many nations. We're, we're touching America, but we're also in many other parts of the world, some parts of the world that are challenging even to preach the gospel in. So this is an honor for us, and, and we don't take it lightly. And we pray over this program, <clears throat> asking the Lord to use it to... Um, to allow it to touch hearts. We pray for lives to be changed, for people to be born again of the Spirit of God. At the same time, we also pray for the church. We pray for the persecuted church. We pray that that people right now are listening to this and that they are saying, Lord, speak to my heart and change my life. As Steve Hill, who was the evangelist at the Brownsville Revival many years ago, used to say, we pray that you are asking God to change your heart as you listen to this 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 program because again it's really about lives it's about individuals it's about people feeling the love of God people experiencing the mercy of God people knowing the grace of God even in the midst of trials and battles that that people that love Jesus can come to know him as the lily of the valley he's the great shepherd even as as the great psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, David the psalmist, I shall not want that, that the Lord is, is provision, he's Jehovah Jireh, and in our heart is that this is a part of that, that, that provision, that this is a program that you're listening to that's being used of the Lord to really lift you up and to bring you into a greater revelation of how much Jesus really loves you and how available he is to you. And how, again, you can grow in your walk with God. So again, thank you so much for being here today. I do encourage you to tell others about this program. Invite them to listen or even to to listen with you wherever you're at. Maybe you could have them come and and be a part of this. 
um, maybe at a, a local type setting as you're listening to this and that the Lord can use this to really touch a lot of people. So that's, again, that's our prayer. That's our motivation. And again, it is just an honor to be on here with you today. You know, the last five weeks I have talked about understanding the role of the church, who we are as the people of God, the the role that God has called us to play in this generation as well as in every generation. And we can look back at the history of the church and we can see how the Lord, as I've said on these last few episodes, has been faithful to his own glory. He's been faithful to his covenantal nature. He's been faithful to to touch nations, to, to, to awaken the church, to bring revival to the church and even awakening to the nations. And and every, every season of history, no matter how dark it gets, and there have been very dark seasons of history, I believe we're seeing a lot of darkness now in many nations, and we know that there's war in Ukraine with Russia. We know that, um, that the church is being persecuted around the world. We know it's against the law to even preach the gospel in, in multiple nations, and, and people are going through a lot here in America um, humanism, um, secularism, carnality is taking over our nation on many levels, and it's a dark time even in America as as the truth of the gospel is being clouded out by ideologies and and philosophies and and really um, antichrist teaching, and some of this has even entered the church. So so we find ourselves. In challenging times, but again, it's in these times that you and I are called to arise and be who God has called us to be. Again, we are a city set up on a hillside. The Lord Jesus told us we're salt, we are light, we are not to be hidden under a bushel, but we are to be um, seen. We're to be a reflection of the glory, the holiness, the beauty, the mercy the love of Jesus Christ, and and we are, as I've heard people say for many years, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the ones that bring the truth of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles. We're the ones that bring those. Why? Because we are equipped by the Holy Spirit. We have been filled with the Spirit. We have been endued or empowered from on high. Um, we know Jesus if you're a child of God. And if you're listening and you are serving the Lord Jesus, then then let me just challenge you. Assume your identity and your role in the Lord. So we've talked about that for the last several weeks. And this this week I want to go to another subject. Um if, if you ask me what I felt like I really was called to be in the body of Christ, I could give you different answers. I, I've pastored churches. I have um, been the president of a Bible college. I've been the director of a Bible college. I have taught the gospel and taught theology in many um, college-type settings. And um, I, I've traveled the world. I've been in dozens of nations preaching the gospel I am serving an apostolic role right now. We have a, a, a network or a family of churches and leaders and Christian business owners and missionaries that, that we're connected with and that we father them and mother them. My wife and I, we pour into their lives and we help them with direction and prayer and you know even leadership in their churches. And so we, we serve on an apostolic role. But if you were to ask me, if there's one word that would describe who you are, what would it be? I would simply say that I'm, I'm a revivalist. And I know that word is kind of used quite a bit, especially in America, maybe in other nations as well. 
and a lot of people call themselves revivalists, and that can have different meanings to different people. But when I tell you that I am a revivalist, what that means is I have a burning passion for the glory of the Lord to be present in the midst of the church, first of all. My heart is for the people of God to to wake up and to walk in the identity that God has given them to walk in. So we know that for something to be revived, it's obviously died or even fallen asleep, so to speak, and it has to be brought back to life. It has to be, again, the word revived. It has to be brought into a state of revival. So we always have to understand that revival always presupposes that there's spiritual death, there's spiritual sleep, there is carnality, there, there's spiritual um, laziness or apathy, and therefore revival comes and ajars the people of God into the, a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, as, as a result, um, awakenings happen. In other words, God always moves in the midst of his own people. We see this even with the people of Israel. And I've been reading the Old Testament again this year since January. You know, I've read it many times. But just watching how the Lord was faithful, even through the judges, then the prophets, he was faithful to speak to his own people, Israel. And why would he speak to them? Well, oftentimes they would go into sin, primarily into idolatry. They would begin to um, acknowledge demon gods or, or the gods of the nations around them, and they would accept whether it be Baals or um, Asherahs, or that they would accept these 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 other demonic gods who are no god compared to our God, and they would bring their practices, whether it be sexual perversion or whatever the case might be, and, and all of a sudden they would fall out of relationship with God, and they would begin to even incur the judgment of God because of their sins. So. There would be a cry that would go up and and a cry of desperation, a cry of help, or a cry of like an SOS type signal, uh, you know, uh, a cry that, oh God, we need God to come back to us again. And the Lord would touch the, the life of whether it be a judge or a prophet like maybe Samuel, um, who really came and restored as I shared last week, he, he restored the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel. He was a representation of the Lord. He was a mouthpiece of God. He was a seer, a prophet. He had insight. He had revelation, and he was in direct communication with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God sent him to Israel, and he came in a dark, dark period where Eli, as I, again, I shared last week a little bit, but where Eli had grown dim in the natural, in his natural vision as well as his spiritual vision, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and these these boys were perverted on, on multiple levels. They were abusing the sacrificial offering system of the Lord. They were also literally having sex with women like temple prostitutes at the temple of God, and Eli would not deal with them. As a result, there was a dullness that came over the land spiritually. The Bible said there was no open vision. So what had to happen? Israel had to be revived. So God sends Samuel with the word of the Lord. And the Bible said not one of his words fell to the ground. He became a voice to the people of God. He was a picture of revival. He was a Old Testament revivalist. And we can look at the history of the church. There are seasons, and I 
honestly believe that we're in one of those seasons now, especially in the Western world, in America, in Western Europe. Um, I, I've spent quite a bit of time in the United Kingdom, in the British Islands. I've spent, you know, time in, in other parts of, of Europe, even Eastern Europe. And, and there's, you know, there there's always people that are hungry for God, that are crying out for God, that are praying for um, revival and praying for awakening in a nation. So I understand that. But when you look at the overall percentage of the church in most of these areas of the world that I just mentioned, you know, North America, um, Western Europe, primarily I'm talking about, you, you'll, you'll find a, a sense of, of either carnality, um, dead religion, or it's like the spirit of the world has invaded the church and the church has become so much like the world that you really cannot see a difference. And sadly, as the church goes, so goes a nation. And as I look at America, you know, we have a lot of ministry media outlets in our generation. We've got Christian television, not just one station, multiple stations. We've got Christian radio. If you don't have a radio, just get on your computer and there's always a link you can link into and you can listen to live Christian radio. We've got Christian books. We've got Christian books in electronic form, Kindle or whatever you use. Um, You know, we've got huge Christian, I mean, for the last couple of years, we've not seen so much of this because of the COVID virus, but we've got huge Christian concerts where, you know, worship bands are able literally to fill arenas and sometimes stadiums, and they've got this new popular Christian worship, and some of it sounds good, and some of it might even be okay, but but in other words, there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of um, production, we've got mega churches in America now, churches where you don't have to know anybody. You can just show up for a service, and they oftentimes will have three or four or five, six services a weekend, and you, you kind of pick your, your time, and you go in, and you're, you're there for an hour, and you're going to get some, some you might even get good gospel preaching, and, and you might even feel God at times. So I don't want to sound overcritical, but my point is this. We, we've got a lot of stuff that we see regarding Christian activity in parts of the world, and again, um, we see this primarily in the Western world, or I see it because obviously I live here. I've, I've been to other parts of the world where this is not the case, whether that be in um, Asia, Africa, where the people of God, the church over there seems to really be running hard after the Lord on, on many levels. Not everybody, but but um, but there seems to be a, a deeper level of commitment. And, um, you know, you get into areas where it's even against the law to preach the gospel and the church even seems to be more alive in those areas. But there's an apathy. There's a um, laziness. There's a carnality. There's a worldly spirit that has cast a spell over so much of the American church and the North American church and the Western church. And we, we find ourselves now if doing anything, oftentimes going through the motions and we have learned Christian behavior patterns. We've got polished preachers. We've got production driven worship teams. And man, we've got the perfect Sunday morning setting or whatever you do your service a Saturday night. We've got light shows. We've got smoke machines. We've got everybody, but our nation is continuing to fall deeper into darkness and literally free fall into hell as the the spirit of antichrist is choking out 
the word of God, the truth of God, the morality that that our nation was founded on despite her issues. And we know there's been great sin in America, whether it be slavery or, or these these things. We know that there's been challenges. In the midst of that, though, there's always been people that were sold out to God, the Quakers, the, the Puritans, some of these people that were very active in the Underground Railroad. And, and thank God we learned from those mistakes. But, but even the founding fathers recognized that if you take the Bible and if you take the tenets of the Christian faith, if you take Judeo-Christian roots from a nation, then a nation will implode upon itself. And I'll tell you, there are nations that are morally imploding upon themselves and and in the midst of that moral implosion you'll also oftentimes see societal breakdown you'll see the family come under attack especially the nuclear family where there's a father and a mother in the home now that's that's considered taboo to even talk about and that's that's offensive and and when you begin to to take away gender identity which is what we're seeing in this generation where you can't really say that that your your child is a boy or a girl despite how they were biologically developed and and formed in the womb through through the creative miracle that only God can do um, we 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 begin to break down and we become really crazy, and and I believe that that a lot of this spirit is destroying America, it's destroying the Western world, and I I give you all this not to be daunting and not to be um, depressing, but but I want you to hear my heart. The church needs revival. We need revival in the church. We are not going to win the world by just doing good humanitarian things and by giving people food and and having pizza parties for young people and and doing all this stuff and again some of that's fine and and I, I have no problem with that and I've been a part of those things and I believe in good outreach and sometimes we can use food or we can use whatever to to reach the homeless and all these things again can be very good but friend if we do not have the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ moving and activated in our midst, then we are no more than a social club with Jesus as a mascot doing good humanitarian things while the world around us is dying and going into eternal darkness. And that's that might be harsh for some listening to this right now, but friend, that's just the fact. Our, the nations are in deep need of a revived church. The, the only answer for this generation is for revival in the church. This is where it has to start. But when there's no prayer in the pulpit, when there's no prayer in the church, when there's no hunger for revival, when there's no hunger for deeper places of intimacy with the Lord, when, when, when we have lost our eternal paradigm, when we cease to know or think about people dying and going to hell without Jesus and everybody just kind of lives in this present age and they just kind of go through life the same way maybe some have a good life and some don't and that that's sad but but whenever we lose the fact that that people have an eternal destination either heaven or hell then we lose the sense of urgency to be who God has called us to be again as Jesus said to be salt to be light to be a reflection of, of, of truth and, and to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a dying world. And it takes revival sometimes to, it, to awaken the church to this reality. It takes revival to, to bring about um, an eternal awareness. I've, I've shared this before, but years ago I was in the office 
of Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill um, died back in the 80s, but but I was in his his former home that at the time his son was living in and daughter-in-law, and um, I was there for um, spending holiday with some friends in, in um, Lindell, Texas. Anyhow, I was in Leonard's um, former office that he would use for prayer and study, and and he had a little plaque in that office in that office that said, "Keep me eternity conscious." And that that little plaque really um, arrested my heart so much so that I've even had one made, and I'm actually looking at it right now. It's right here over my desk in my office here in Charlotte, North Carolina. But I believe it it speaks volumes. It it. It conveys a message that when eternity is no longer real, then the church, again, just becomes this big religious social entity that has a form of godliness, but we deny the power. And again, we can even preach truth, and all. The, but, but whenever we are not a people that are activated in the Spirit of God, and we are not a people that are being used to make a difference in culture, then then we cease to really be the voice, the the prophetic um, interruption that God has called us to be. So let me let me give you a few quotes, and and again, I'm going to develop this some over the next couple of three weeks, and but let me give you some some great quotes on revival. Adrian Rogers once said this: "Study the history of revival. God has always sent revival in the darkest days." Oh, for a mighty, sweeping revival today. Now, Adrian Rogers said this years ago, but my friend, this speaks to our generation, if anything does. Listen to the words of D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, does it grieve you, my friends, that the name of God is being taken in vain and desecrated? Does it grieve you that you are that we are living in a godless age But we are living in such an age, and the main reason we should be praying about revival is that we are anxious to see God's name vindicated and his glory manifested. We should be anxious to see something happening that will arrest the nations, all the peoples, and cause them to stop and to think again. Let me ask you something, child of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, does it grieve you that the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus is being desecrated in this generation? Does it grieve you that all the the basic tenets of our faith are being trampled underfoot? They are being removed from even some of the the old um, Christian churches that have been around for generations, some that were birthed in revival, that now they are denying the basic truths of the Word of God And they are promoting perversion. They are promoting ungodliness. And and they just go on and and still continue to use the name of Jesus and observe um, ordinances and and, and all these things. But, But there's no power. There's no life. And they've become just like the spirit of this age. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, the great prince of preachers. He said, Oh, men and brethren, what would this heart feel if I could but believe? that there were some among you who would go home and pray for a revival. Men whose faith is large enough and their love fiery enough to lead them from this moment to exercise unceasing intercessions, that God would appear among us and do wondrous things here as in the time of former generations. 
Charles Finney said this. He was a revivalist that was used in the Second Great Awakening in the United States of America in the 1800s. Finney said, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Friend, it's the church coming to repentance. It's the church coming to brokenness. It's the church coming to humility. The church acknowledging that that we are in deep need of God. We're in deep need of His fire. We are in deep need of His power. Listen, there's a great revival verse. I call it the greatest revival verse of the Bible. I know a lot of people use other ones, and we'll probably talk about some of those other ones in the coming weeks. But Hebrews 12, 29, the writer here says, For our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? Friend, everything that God touches, He consumes. His glory is overwhelming. His holiness is super. It's superfluous. It's it's glorious. It's transcendent. There is nothing that compares to Him. His nature is fiery. There's, there's fires that we see in the natural that'll go through and literally burn up sometimes hundreds of thousands of acres, especially on the west coast of America. But friend, that is only a small analogy or parable compared to the nature of God. When God moves in fire and revival fire in the midst of his church, he burns away the excuses. He burns away the sin. He burns away the compromise. He burns away the carnality. He burns away the the, the the intentions and the inventions of man. He burns away learned behavior patterns. He brings us to a place of humility where we acknowledge that we must have God. Leonard Ravenhill said one time that revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows up himself. What a, what a statement. G. Campbell Morgan We cannot organize revival, but we can set ourselves to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people again. Sammy Tippett said, Revival is not the discovery of some new truth. It's the rediscovery of the grand old truth of God's power in and through the cross. And and one more. Whether it be personal life or in the church life or on the mission field, we need revival. We need revival urgency, urgently, excuse me, and we need revival desperately. It's a quote from Stephen Olford. Friend, I, I hope you hear my heart this afternoon or wherever you're, it could be morning where you're at or nighttime. I'm recording this this afternoon here in Charlotte, but, but I hope you hear my heart. Um, we need revival. We need a move of God that will, that will break the back of sin in the midst of the church. We need a move of God that will cause the people of God to pray more than they perform, to, to preach truth, to realize that, that God has not called preachers just to give motivational speeches. There's, there's times when we need to encourage people and, and motivate them and, and make them feel good about who they are in Christ because what the Lord has done for them. However, at the same time, we've done so much of that that oftentimes we've not addressed the sinful condition of much of the church. And as a result, we've got people that are believing they are born again, but they've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And they've never had a born again experience. And why? Because the church has lost the power. The church has lost 
the anointing. The church has lost the unction. The church has has lost her identity oftentimes. And again, we are more concerned about people's feelings than we are about stewarding and hosting the presence of God. Listen, we should be the most loving, caring, welcoming, compassionate people on the earth. But I'm telling you something, when we hide truth and when we cease to move in power and when we cease to be the people of the Holy Spirit branded by fire, then, friend, we cease to be the force that God has called us to be on the earth. My prayer is that you would be hungry for revival today, that as you listen to this, your heart would be stirred and that you would say, Jesus, let revival start with me. Let it start with my church. Let it start with my family. Let it start with my business. Use me and my generation to make a difference. Lord, we pray, set our hearts ablaze today and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can... Learn more about our ministry at keith-collins.org. You can also visit us at impactgf.org. We love you. We're honored to be sharing our heart with you. As the Lord speaks to us, we want to convey these truths to you. And friend, may this be a day of personal revival for you. It, It starts with you, and then it goes into the midst of the church, and it's like a chain reaction. Fire begets fire and it begets more fire, and then it begets more fire. That's the picture of revival. Hey, we hope to have you back again next week. May the glory of the Lord become your native heir. God bless, and thanks again for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. We'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.